Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 200, Identity Series. I am healing four. <gasps> did you say 200? 200. 200 bones? <laughs> we did it, guys. I'm so proud of us and proud of you guys being a part of this podcast. Welcome to this Hole in My Heart podcast where we talk about how the gospel is good news for everybody every day. I am your host, Lori Krieg, and I do have alongside me my husband and favorite licensed therapist, Matt Krieg. Hey, Hello. Matt. Hey, and I also have with me my friend. I'm going to keep that. <laughs> yeah. I edited it last time, and mm-hmm. it's staying. I like it. And the most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve. Hi, guys. You guys, I'm so excited to be continuing our identity series. And why we're doing identity, this focus here, we really want to know who we are in Christ so deeply that we can walk into any room with confidence. And today, we're excited to specifically talk about how a part of our identity is being willing to heal with the spirit, the broken parts within us. For me, I know that to even get the motivation on some days or years, as it can happen, I have to have a tangible reason often just to get out of bed, uh, a why, for whom am I healing? So to talk about that today, we have another friend of the podcast back again, and her name is Tony Collier. Welcome back, Tony. Well, I am so excited to be here. First of all, 200 episodes. Can I just put that out there right there? I'm super pumped to be here. Um, I'm just hailing in from Georgia right now and doing my thing. And I'm excited because I got to talk to you guys about brokenness. It's what I do. I help women heal. Um, And it's just really exciting to bring that conversation into identity. And so I'm pumped to be here today. Yeah, we can't wait to have you. Uh, A little more along those lines as more of an introduction. Tony is the founder of the international women's organization, Broken Crayons Still Color, which helps women process through brokenness uh, and get to hope. Uh, She's a speaker, podcast host of Still Coloring and author of Brave Enough to be Broken. Tony is uh, teaching people all over the globe that you can be broken and worthy and unqualified and still called to do great things. It's awesome. To get to know Tony and our listeners even better, let's go to the question of the week from last week, which is, are you a hot box, always warm, or an ice box, always cold or just right, somewhere in the middle, hot, cold, yes, no, just channeling my inner Katy Perry now. I guess. <laughs> Can we quote her here? I don't know. I, I just did. On I just the script, did. Matt, I'm, I'm quoting Goldilocks. Yeah, you're Mama quoting bear, Papa Bear. Goldilocks, we'll go Katy, Perry. Katy Perry, the same thing. <laughs> Tony, we'll go to you. All right, guys, I'm somewhere in the middle, I think. I do, because I am definitely one of those people that's like, it's cold outside, I'm putting the heater on. It's hot outside, I'm putting the cold weather on, which is happening a lot in Georgia right now, because I need to be just right, okay? I need to be baby bear, all right? <laughs> Thank you, <That's> yeah. <laughs> uh, our listeners, you guys had some good responses that sound a little bit like Tony's. Who do we got first, Steve? Uh, I liked yeah, what Amy had to say here. I am an icebox and glad to live in Houston. The other day, I felt a nice breeze as I stepped outside, and I thought, this is the perfect weather. I wonder what the temperature is. 83. It was 83 degrees and perfect. (laughs) I'm thinking about maybe uh, making a vacation to Houston. Not in the summer, but like maybe coming up next winter. 83 degrees, she said, is perfect as the icebox that she is. (laughs) I appreciated this response. My name is Gwen Kaufman. I'm from Los Angeles, California. And I feel like I'm always either hot or cold. I'm never in between. 
so if it's above 65 degrees then I'm probably getting warm and if it's below 65 degrees I'm definitely cold 65 was her cutoff apparently that's the pivot point yeah. okay okay I feel like I need to summarize what I learned from all of you listeners every time I ask these questions one you have a lot of feelings about menopause. So there's a lot of oh, there menopause stuff. Yeah. And you guys were cracking me up about that in perimenopause. And then there seems to be a specific degree that our hearts, I don't know, we could call it a hole in our heart, look at longing for this perfect temperature mm -hmm. to make us feel satisfied in our souls. I don't know. <laughs> Matt Krieg, you don't have a voice, but you were going to read one that you... Yes. Yeah, so I really liked what Claire said said pretty in the middle, but I live with one housemate who's an icebox and one who's a hotbox. I'm just the one constantly trying to reduce our air conditioner slash heater usage. Sounds like you, Matt. Sounds like a dad, honestly. Yeah. Just constantly <laughs> adjusting the thermostat, turning lights off and on. Oh, Matt's boy. not on social media. And I was like, do you know that this is like a meme? Is like dads are the ones that are always fixing the temperature. <laughs> and he's like, I'm not a meme. And I showed him it's, like 25. It's just a truth. It's not a meme. It's just <laughs> right. a truth. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Tony, thanks for playing along with us. Uh, we're going to yeah. pivot now to really the heart of the matter. Um, and this is the gospel question, not the that everything that we're talking about is related to the gospel. But we asked you this before, and we'd love to hear it again. Uh, if the gospel is, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. True. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. How is that yeah. gospel first good news for you, and how is it still? You know, when I first answered this question, I talked about, like, being 21 and getting saved. And I mean, it was just such a beautiful experience. But, you know, something really interesting happened at 25. I had this realization that I was a fan of God and not a follower. And it's interesting because I was honestly more ashamed than I had been when I was 21 coming up off of drugs and, and all the things because I'm like, well, I know God. Like, why haven't I really, like, like just really gotten into this relationship with him? And I, I remember vividly at 24, 25, when I just was reminded that God is so kind that, you know, I'd been saved quote unquote for all these years and I wasn't a good Christian quote unquote. And he just was still like so kind and waiting for me. So ready for me to walk into the fullness of a real relationship with him. Yeah. And I just remember like, I don't know, my shoulders were all crunched up and then they just were so relieved to know that even if we say yes to Jesus and we still get it wrong, he's still there, you know? And so that's when it like really clicked for me. I'm like, oh, he is in. He is in. Even with my little crazy self, he is in. <laughs> How is that message still yeah. ringing in your heart today? Yeah. Well, every single morning I wake up and I say, Jesus, I give everything and everyone to you. Yep. Take over my life because you're better at it. And I'm also like, I whisper on the side. I'm like, don't let me mess this up. Okay. Because you know, I'm a little crazy. But What's interesting is that I think every single morning when I give everything to God, when I like continually surrender yep. and when I have this conscious belief that he is in control, every good thing that happens and even every bad thing becomes under his reign and rule. And it just further reminds me that I am not in control, nor should I be because I would be ratchet and things would be going awry every day, mm -hmm. but he's in control and he's responsible for every good thing. And he's responsible for making every good thing from every bad thing that happens as well. Uh, yes. I love that. Oh, <laughs> uh, so good. Yeah, it is very good. That's 
speaking to me too. Mm-hmm. Um, but today we are going to be talking about some of the motivation that it takes to be able to do the healing work of life. And for Lori, mm-hmm. at some points that was, you know, really holding on to relationship with kids or something tangible. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you chose this, I am healing for as your identity mm-hmm. statement, it seemed like you could just relate. Um, can you go a little bit more into that? Yeah, it's interesting because I lead these healing community groups for women and I promise like almost every time I do it, I, there's something else that God's healing in me, whether that be through counseling or through a community group or yeah, through my kids. Good Lord. They sharpen you. They sharpen you. Don't they? (laughs) (laughs) And, And here's what I love about that. I love that we are going to be healing until we are replanted in Eden and we meet our maker and we are whole again with him. And I just, I like it because if I can hold the realization that I am still healing, that I still have some things and some people and some situations that are broken in my life that I still need healing for, it just makes me more human and God more God. Like it just increases the box that I want to put him in. And so I just, I love this. I love that we can all say I'm still healing and I'm still healing for this and I'm still healing for that and all the things. Mm. Yeah. When you think about what you were talking about, the, the, the transition, the pivot that happened there at age 25, and it sounds like this mm-hmm. identity of being somebody who is healing uh, kind of maybe emerged from that time. What, w- what would yeah. you say your identity was based on bef- before then? Like, oh my gosh. Yeah, put words to that. That's why I have a little performer's heart, Steve, okay? okay. <laughs> and I am a people pleaser by nature. And so my identity wasn't wrapped up, obviously, in who God says I am. It was wrapped up in the approval of man. Like, mm. if my dad was proud of me finally and not cursing me out or calling me, you know, really, really derogatory names, like if the guy that I had a big crush on would have sex with me or see me or know me, if everyone in the club would look at me because I was dancing and being all promiscuous, like then I was enough. Mm. And little did I know that I'd been enough all along, mm-hmm. right? That even without doing anything for the kingdom and for God, I was already enough. But before that was my identity is that I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I've got to do more. I've got to perform more. I've got to show up more. I've got to sleep with more guys. I've got to do all these things, you know, to be proven. And now I feel like a little Teletubby just bopping around, just great. Just like, I'm enough. Like, I'm bopping around, living my best life. Um, but that's definitely what I was riding on before. Yeah. When, yeah. so before, that's like, it sounds like that was the maybe the 21 age season. Oh, yeah. How did that performer's heart filter mm. into the Christian version of you? Oh, it was just as bad. Right. Like you think that you're like, oh, I'm going to say yes to Jesus. And then for me, I said yes to Jesus. And then I was kind of thrust into ministry as a youth pastor. And I was still trying to get my life together. But it was the same thing. I was at a church that was predominantly African-American, very charismatic in nature. But that's actually not how I grew up. I grew up Catholic, very you know, strategy driven, very mm-hmm. straightforward, very done. And I was told, you know, in the church, like, you're not like Holy Spirit filled enough. Like you sound like a broadcastress. And I just was like trying so hard to live up to man's standards still in the church. Mm-hmm. And then I was trying to like prove that I could, you know, be holy. I'm like, look at me, God, like I'm a youth pastor now. And I, I got at least got one kid saved. I remember I literally used to say that, like, I at least got one kid saved. One kid's going to go to heaven because of me. Mm-hmm. 
And it was just all performance-based, even after saying yes to Jesus. And that's why I think it's so important for us to hold salvation as the, the beauty, the beautiful thing and the beautiful decision that it is, but also carry holiness and sanctification just hand in hand, you know? Mm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, too, can be have a performance-based identity, but I've had yeah. a season or five, probably at least three or four, of really deep despair and depression. <laughs> and yeah. the most recent one, a couple of years ago, um, I was in a real dark place. And mm. this this phrase that this podcast name is about ca- came out of that is that I'm healing for God just like gave me pictures of people in my mind that if I did not keep doing this healing work, they would be affected by me. So I think yeah. first part of the question is, have you ever had a season of despair like that where God just had to be like, hey, Tony, if you keep going down this dark path, this is who's, this is the domino effect. And yeah. then how did you balance that intention with fighting your performer heart? So I guess oh, first question, performer. Mm. Yeah. So when I... um found myself in an abusive and toxic marriage and also working in the church and hiding everything that was happening at home. Mm. Um, I got pregnant and I had this little girl and um, gosh, I just cried thinking about it. I'm going to get to the end of this question though. You just don't worry. Um, (laughs) But I I had this little girl and I didn't realize that I had stayed in toxicity and abuse because I didn't feel worthy enough to be out of it. But then I had this small little child. Okay. And I remember seeing fear in her eyes for the first time and Mm. just thinking about little Tony and all that I'd been through and all that I had, I'd sat in and wished that someone would have rescued me, wish that someone would have transitioned me out, wish that someone would have paid attention to the damage that was happening now as a kid and how that would affect me as an adult, but no one was weighing that. And Mm. so I was now in a position where I could weigh that for my daughter. And I could say the decisions that I make today when she's just one year old will impact her forever. What am I going to do? And so I started healing for my daughter, Dylan, because I didn't have enough confidence and worth that I needed to get out of this marriage and I needed to restart my life and I needed to get a better job and all the things. And so I ended up getting a divorce, transitioned out, lived with another single mom for a long time. And Gosh, barely had any money, finally started working again, got this little bitty apartment. It was like a two-bedroom apartment, but I couldn't even afford it. So I had to have someone, a friend live in one of the rooms. And then my daughter had a room, and then I slept on the little black Ikea leather pleather couch. (laughs) And then there was this this shift that was, you know, right around 24, 25. And I just remember the Lord saying, oh, I think it's so beautiful that you cared for your girl, for our girl, for your daughter. Mm. But do you understand that I want this for you too? Hmm. That, yes, obviously you are responsible for this tiny human, but I am responsible for you. And yes, we had a plan and we transitioned out of this marriage and I have redeemed you, but I didn't just redeem you because I wanted you to be a better mom. I redeemed you because I wanted you to be a better daughter to me because you are my daughter, says the Lord. And that is when it, it kind of balanced out. I was like, this is for me too. Yes. So that's the best example that I have right there. That's yeah. so good. Can, can I just say thank you for sharing that? Because I know so many people who maybe yeah. 
find themselves in similar situations and feel like because there's a kid involved, they have to remain in an abusive situation um, when it's so... (laughs) <laughs> like the, the the damage that can happen to a kid is and to the person themselves is just so yep. so much and and so to to be able to walk away partially for your daughter but then it sounds like partially this realization that you also deserve that healing for yourself too is just so so yeah. good so thank you for sharing that and i hope that's an encouragement to to thank some you. other people who maybe maybe need to get out of a dangerous situation. But, um, you know, as you talk about your story and like the motivation that your daughter gave you, yet there's also this people pleasing side of you. What, what is the difference, I guess, between being motivated by that effect by, by like remembering the other people that are with you and, and just jumping full on into people pleasing and only doing it for someone else? Mm. Mm. I mean, I think, I just, I was at this teen conference. This is a really good example. I was at this teen conference and again, I'm just kind of crazy. Like I'm just bopping around. I really have this just, I don't know. I'm going to belt out the worship songs as loud as I want to. I'm going to wear what I want. I'm probably going to look like a piece of bubble gum bopping around. (laughs) And this girl comes up to me. I get off stage and she was like, I just, I have this question for you. Like, how do you, like, how do you do it? Like, how do you just, how are you so confident? Like, I just don't even understand. She was like, you just, you say what you want. You're, you're kind to everybody, but you're just like so free. And I said, you know, I just think I don't care what anyone else thinks, but God, mm. and I re- like, I really there, I don't know what happened. There's something clicked. And I was just like, I literally am going to please my father in heaven because the nature of God is so good and leads us to repentance and redemption. But if I just solely care what he thinks, then through that lens, I should treat others with kindness and respect and honor and show up as holy and whole as I possibly can as a fallen, broken human being. And I think that's the, like, that's the antithesis. Like, I think if if we could just focus in on the character of God and be more pleasing and in pursuit of that, I think all those other things just like, balance out. I just think the pendulum just kind of rides in the middle when we do that. I think that's the best way that I could explain like the balance between people pleasing and trying to honor everyone and also trying to honor God. I just think him first. And I think everything else just trickles down from that. Mm -hmm. Tony, uh, going back to your scene, Dylan, what's her name? Yeah, Dylan. Okay. Seeing Dylan in your mind, and seeing her tangibly back in that season of escaping and her being your motivation. I'm just picturing some depressed people right now, which I don't, I don't know if Matt and I just like people who are depressed are drawn to us because the nature of our work or, or is there just like a real season of despair happening right now? I don't know. Oh my goodness. Okay. All right. So I feel like you could speak into that, but I'm, I just, I'd like actually you to speak to people who are really wrestling with depression right now and maybe even feeling some guilt by being like, well, you know, if I do this work for my friend, I should be doing it for myself or for God. It needs to be more holy than this. Can Mm -hmm. you, can you speak to that heart right now? Who's depressed and full of shame? Yeah. So It's interesting because I'm at this mental health summit as we record this right now, and we have been scanning through so much data. I mean, just tons, tons and tons of data 
around human flourishing and the opposite obviously being like us being depressed and really sad and sorrowful and the numbers y'all mm. <laughs> they are just so sad mm. and terrible like just that there, people are super de- like increased depression yeah, and so- okay. there has been obviously a huge wave since COVID and political unrest and racial tension and division and shootings and oh my gosh yeah. like there's just been so much and it has impacted the entire world negatively people are so depressed they're in such despair it's interesting however as we were looking at this data that as globally we are more depressed we are more anxious there is despair there is an astounding difference between those who practice Christianity or religion faithfully Hmm. and those who do not, those that attend church and have a community of people that know them and not even like church four walls, but it could even be like just deep community that just sees you and represents God to you. There is a very big gap between those that are flourishing and those that are not when it comes to our faith. And I say all that not to toot the Christianity horn, but to say that there are things that come with, Christianity that innately help us to escape the valleys. And one of those are community. Like it's just community. It's like people that see you and know you in in depth. And I think when I was going through my season of depression and had suicidal ideation, specifically just getting out of divorce and having this little kid and I'm a single mom and my whole life, like I was just like, I was doing so good, even though I wasn't like, and now I'm not, and I have nothing and nobody. The thing that brought me out were people that were like, we'll be with you in the valleys, but we won't leave you there. Mm-hmm. And I just think for those that are in despair and depression, I just think you need some people that'll say, I, I see you in the valleys and, and I'll come and hold your hand there and I'll maybe stroke your, your hair or if you're a guy, I'll just kind of stand shoulder to shoulder with you. But we're not going to stay here. Mm-hmm. Like there's something greater than us at play. There's a hope that's greater than us at play. And even if you can't believe in it for yourself, I'll believe in it for you. And I'll remind you of it. And I think that's just what we need right now. And what COVID kind of took from us was this community, these people that really see us. And so that's what I would say for that. And Mm -hmm. I would, I just want to reiterate this one point though. I am not saying that when you're depressed and when you're in despair, that you need to hurry up and get up out of that. Yeah. Mm. I'm saying invite people into that place with you, be there for as long as you need, but also allow people to help you transition out of that valley into mountains of hope. Cause we can't stay there. We mm. cannot. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It, it yeah. sounds just very much like so much of our culture is, is performance based, is productivity based. And you know, yeah. when you say like, that community of people who will come down into the valley and just sit with you or stand shoulder to shoulder. I mean, those are the relationships where you really find like, I value you not because of what you do, just because of who you are. And it's very restful. Yes. Yes. Mm. That's so good, man. And at the same time, uh, doing the work is work. Um, (laughs) And I know there's a lot of people, like me who are lazy and you know (laughs) sometimes you get stuck in your ways and you're operating out of a you know a broken place and you don't even realize it uh what would you say to somebody who maybe doesn't have the motivation of you know like uh, somebody depending on them or Mm -hmm. you know people coming alongside and you know speaking honestly how do you how do you see what you need to see 
and then be motivated to, you know, get up and do the work because I, I like what you're saying. There is responsibility. Yeah, there. we we do have ripple effects. And, and yeah. so like, I don't know, speak to somebody like me who maybe yeah. doesn't have a kid depend, depending on them and maybe doesn't yeah, have the good. motivation or they're just lazy or I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's good. Well, one, I, I want to say like, you know, even even you, Steve, like you, we are all each and individually worthy of healing. Mm-hmm. We're, we're worthy of the person, <laughs> the version of ourselves that see the world with just a little bit more hope mm. and can sleep a little bit better at night and can have one less anxiety attack. <laughs> and you yeah. know, we, we're worthy of that existence. Mm. And I think that's the seed. Like that's where it starts. That's where it had to start for me. At least it was like, yes, you've been through a lot. Yes. There's been trauma and abuse and pain and all the and manipulation. And even still, that even with the things that have been done to you and the things that you have done to cause pain, even still you are worthy of the best version of yourself. And it's from that place, I think, that I get motivated to do the work. Mm. And and honestly, I heard a speaker say once, like, how do you eat an elephant? It's like one bite at a time, which yeah. is a very weird example, <laughs> but it felt good when I heard it. <laughs> and it. And I think it's just for me, as someone who's a, a performer, I want to achieve, I want to win. It's very difficult for me to go bite by bite. I'm like, I want all the goods right now. Yeah. But I said this on my podcast the other week. Like, we got to make delayed gratification sexy again. Like, we got to make the waiting sexy again. Like, and we just have to do things bite by bite. I interviewed uh, Michelle Williams from Destiny's Child, and she says when she was in deep depression that she kept thinking, man, I just, I'm failing today because I didn't shower and I didn't change my clothes. Mm. Instead of saying, I got out of my bed today. Look at me. Mm. Look at what I did today, celebrating the very small, mundane, little, because it's incremental change really that lasts. Quick shifts, like you end up with the freaking Titanic, right? Mm -hmm. But small little churns and changes, that I think is what brings about lasting change and transformation and not modification. Going back to what you said at the teen conference to that girl who noticed your freedom in Christ. It, it Was there a moment, look at me asking for the goods without the work. Was there a moment <laughs> where that became really crystal clear to you, that surrender to Jesus? Like, I just care about what he thinks. Yep. Yep. Is when I was able to tell people, no, mm. I, I genuinely think that for the first like 20 seven years of my life and I'm only 31, which is kind of embarrassing. I don't even remember. I genuinely don't remember saying no before I was 27. Hmm. I mean, I would even say, okay, let me see if I can make that happen. Okay. Yeah. Let me try. Let me try. I mean, there was just never a, no, I don't think I can do that. Even now saying that is so foreign for me because I'm only a few years removed from that revelation. But when I was able to start saying no to people, that's when my yes to Jesus became bigger, more consistent, more clear because the more I said yes to God and the more I cared about what he thought, there was so many areas in my life that I should have been saying no to. And then I started to have to say no to, to make room for my God. Yes. And, but that was the moment I was Mm. like, Hey, can you come and do this? I was like, no, I cannot because God had already (laughs) me to do. I mean, I still just can't even, I don't, I'm t- it's so foreign to me to yep. say no to people. Yeah. Um, but that was the point. That was the shift in me. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's good yeah. for me to hear. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that that just does my my counselor's heart very very well to <laughs> to hear that. And I mean, there's just so many things that can come up when when you can't say no. And it's not wrong for people to ask you to to do something or, or anything like that. But if you have this innate sense inside yourself that you're just not allowed to say no, it just leads to so many negative negative yeah. places. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Tony, we have been ending every episode in this series uh, talking about identity with this question. Why is it vital to have an identity that is rooted in Christ right now in 2023? What What would you say to that? Well, because the truth is being diminished. Mm. What is true is getting blurry. And that's a scary place for me because I'm a little, again, I'm a little wild mm. and I need a North Star. Mm. Like I need... Like somebody to tell me this is the way, okay, <laughs> period. And as my friend Ann Voskamp says, we don't need people to tell us the way because we serve the way maker mm-hmm. and the way himself. Mm-hmm. And I think in 2023, we've got to one, stop relying on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Like, man, it's like, oh, go to church. Everything's going to be great. No, because Thursday's coming. It's going to slap you in the face, okay? Mm-hmm. It's going to make you want to do some wild things on Friday and Saturday. Let's just be real about that. And, and so we need our own personal relationship with Christ that, cause that's what rootedness is for me. At least it's not like, Oh, I went and worshiped on Sunday. And so I'm rooted in Christ. It's no, I'm meeting with him daily. I'm pursuing him daily. I'm surrendering to him daily and I'm surrendering to his truth, mm-hmm. like the truth and the word of God, because the truth is trying to be diminished right now in the world. It's just like a vague, Mm -hmm. this is kind of what I believe and think. And it's just getting weird. All of it's just getting so weird. And so in 2023, we've got to block that out. We've got to block out the the world's voices. We've got to stop saying so many yeses into the world. And we've got to really ask the Lord for divine understanding and truth. Mm -hmm. One of the things I said, I was preaching the other day. I said, God, tether me to your truth. Tether Mm -hmm. me to it. Mm -hmm. When the world tries to tell me that it's not the truth, slingshot my behind back into it. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Because I need that. I, yep. I can't be out here in the ocean, like trying to figure out if like getting a little drunk is kind of okay. Mm-hmm. Like I can't, mm-hmm. I can't be testing the waters here because I have an addictive personality. And next thing you know, I'm a stripper. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, we can't play games out here because yep. I don't have that type of self-control. Right. I need to be tethered to the truth. And I think, that's what rooted in Christ means in this generation. It has to be personal. It has to be consistent. It has to be rooted in truth with our blinders on to the world so that we actually know where we're going, what we're doing, and who we are. Amen. Mm-hmm. We are. Yeah. Goodness, Tony, thank you so much for joining us today and for really laying out a table of truth that we could eat at, uh, really feast together. Hmm. I love that. I just like how you put that. We just all pieced it together on the goodness of God. We really did. God bless you and thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Man, seriously, it really was a feast that we just Mm. feasted on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Guys, uh, if you want to hear the episode that we did with Tony and her husband before, we're going to link to that in the show notes, uh, as well as her site and her book that she wrote, really just um, emphasizing a lot of what we talked about today, as well as opening up her story. Um, And we do have a question of the week for next week. Where is one place that you have not visited that you still want to. I want to hear some hopes and dreams. 
right? We all just like looked mm-hmm. up into the sky <laughs> and we're wondering about that. Uh, just to give a little preview of next time when we hear from you uh, listeners, Matt, where do you want to go? Uh, Fiji, Tahiti, the Maldives, Seychelles, some, somewhere in like South Pacific Island something. So a little behind the scenes, Matt and I, people are always asking us if we watch shows that are like, they're like, so do you watch this really intense mental health show? I bet you guys would love it. It's about a counselor that gets abducted by his patient. (laughs) And it's got like trauma from start to finish. Are you guys super into that? No, people, we're not into that because that's our job. That's what we help people with. Stop sending us those shows. (laughs) What we like to watch is vacation home buyers we like people with buckets of money going to fiji and buying ridiculous second and third homes it just like speaks to our soul as well as our longing for heaven buy an island yeah i like Mm -hmm. seeing that i'm like come on heaven's gonna be like a thousand times better we don't always make it that spiritual but it just like makes this feel restful and peaceful so send us those show recommendations zero conflict love it people uh where Mm -hmm. i'd like to go i have not yet been to the grand canyon and matt and i had planned this huge hiking trip for april 2020 Mm. so that sucker got canceled that was going to be for our 10th anniversary yeah, it was for a 10th. And so now we're pushing 15 years. So maybe for our 15th, I just want to go hiking out there and at Bryce and all that. So that's one place I'd really like to go. Steve? Uh, well, I think I would, I know that this maybe sounds like an old Christian dude, but <laughs> the Holy Land. Um, I, me too. Actually, yeah. uh, Kelly has researched uh, some of the nice resorts in Israel. <gasps> Uh, so she's like, we're not doing one of those tours where we load into a <laughs> bus with 30 other people and we're forced to go here and forced to go there. She's like, we're going to go explore it. I was going to say and ask the listeners for recommendations of tours they've been on, but I'll go ahead and pass. <laughs> yeah, so do yeah. not, don't send us your trauma shows and don't send Steve your recommendations. We don't want to be a part of a tour. I would like to. I would want to hear from like somebody super smart. And I, yes, I would want to have just one guide who one just takes for just us you two. on days that we're up for it to I, the places. Oh my gosh, that is so Steve and Kelly. And That's also like really good restaurants. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I would come on that, but I would let you guys go alone. (laughs) Okay, guys, as we wrap up here... Just to say what we always say, if you want to watch this episode, you can watch it at wcsg.org slash all-podcasts. And if you want to listen, you can find it wherever you get your podcast. Just search Hole in My Heart. And we always appreciate when you guys email us, podcast at lorikrieg.com. If you want to join the Facebook group, uh, we keep growing, which is super awesome. You can search Hole in My Heart on Facebook. And I'll let you in after you answer a couple of questions. And we always appreciate your reviews. just to let us know how we're doing and help people find the podcast. You can do that. I don't know where you write reviews. Is it only on Apple? Can you write them on any of the I only know about Apple. That's all I know. (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much to our hosts, uh, WCSG and the Zach of all trades, video guy Zach. Thanks so much. And that's it for all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast. We'll see you next time. 